Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 203 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. Thrilled that you are here with me today as I talk to Alexis Henderson. I have had the great good fortune recently of speaking to a lot of people, and um, there's more interviews coming up. For some reason, I have a bumper crop right now, and there are episodes waiting in the wings, which does not excuse the fact that this podcast is now by uh, like 11 hours late. It's okay. It's my podcast. It's all right that I 100% forgot to do it last night because I was so tired. And, uh, but I didn't finish my thought, which was that I have been talking to some people who have written some books that I have really loved. That is not a requirement to come on the show. In fact, I do not have time to read all the books of everyone who comes on the show. However, uh, Lexis Henderson blew me away with her book, and it was really wonderful to talk to her about something so creepy and dark and beautifully lyrically written as her book, The Year of the Witching. So I know that you will enjoy that. That is coming up. What is going on around here? <sighs> what is not going on around here? Um, in the bad news, our sweet dog Clementine, who is older. Um, she appears to be very sick. We are waiting for some biopsy results. Uh, however, they don't look good. And um, we are battling a lot of sadness because this will be the second of three dogs that we will have lost in MFing 2020. Speaking of MFing 2020, Trump has coronavirus, so there are silver linings. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know I lose followers and listeners every time I say things like that. And I don't care. I have this texting service through Patreon, where if you support me at the $3 and up level, I send you encouraging texts to do your work, to be creative, to live life fully. And this last week to vote, just reminding you to vote and to encourage other people to vote. And oh my goodness, somebody got so mad at me for saying something political. I honestly do not think saying that you should vote if you are in America and have the ability to do so is political. I wasn't saying who to vote for, although everybody knows who I think you should vote for. And it isn't Trump. Uh, so yes, we let those patrons go. We let those listeners go. I really, truly believe that as writers, I'm being really serious, all of a sudden, as writers, we must be political. That is our job. We have a skill set that most people do not have. We get to use our language, our words to help convince people of what we believe is the right thing to do. <laughs> Waylon wails and agrees with me. Okay, now I'm wearing the baby sling that I bought for the cat, uh, which you cannot see on camera, but he's on my lap. You might hear him purring. I think the purring is probably preferable to that wailing that he does. So yeah, so that's all I need to say about that. You already know that you have a skill given to you that you can use. Um, I was phone banking last week for the first time ever, wrote a Patreon essay about it and about calling blindly people to talk to them about how they're feeling about this year was one of the scariest and most difficult and rewarding things that I have maybe ever done. So I have signed up to do it again. We were not cold calling lists of Democrats. We were cold calling lists of everyone. So it was, it was really fabulous. 
to talk to people. And I get to do that because I understand how language works. I'm much better on the page. Talking extemporaneously is not one of my skills, although I practice it a lot on this podcast. Um, but I do know that skill with words is one of my superpowers. So I must use it. You must use, you must use it in your way. That is enough about that. Um, in other news, I think we might be moving to New Zealand for real, not just because of politics, not just because of our worries about an upcoming civil war. Um, but honestly, because I'm 48, I was 52. We can move to New Zealand. We have the right to, um, we actually are allowed to enter right now. However, we do have to do the mandatory isolation, which is, it'll be about $4,000 for both of us to spend two weeks in a hotel room, not leaving. They bring you your food and your snacks and things like that. So um, that sounds nightmarish, but actually maybe getting out of the country for a while and trying something else, all politics aside, why wouldn't we? Okay, here's why we wouldn't, because we are comfortable, because we are in this house, because I finally have a flower garden that is gorgeous. Um, Lala's desk, she finally got it in exactly the right position for her to be able to work and to do her art. Uh, all our friends and family are here. We have a house full of stuff that we would have to do something with. None of it is easy, but I don't know, something about being in quarantine for so long has made me miss that that feeling of challenge, that feeling of being pushed outside one's comfort zone. And that, I'm saying from a really, really great position of privilege, and I know that um, my job is still paying me. Lala's job is still paying her. We have the privilege to be able to say that. Um, there are so many millions of people in this country on its own right now that are not comfortable, that have been forced into untenable situations. So I remain very grateful to where we are in that. But yeah, so right now we're thinking about New Zealand. We're thinking about just going and trying out different cities till we find a place where we would like to rent. So I don't know how long that will take, but we're working also on all sorts of paperwork requirements now and um, having fun with that. So there might or might not be a podcast coming out about making these decisions to move and the move. Don't know. We are recording our conversations just so um, we can if we want to put one of those together or they'll be helpful to me if I want to write about it. So that's what's going on in our world. Kind of big things. Um, writing wise, I just wrote my Patreon this week. I haven't been doing much of anything else. Playing with a new book and revising. You're already ready a little bit, but otherwise kind of, kind of going slowly and that's okay. So wherever you are right now, whatever you are doing, whether it is comfortable or uncomfortable, I hope that you are getting some of your own writing done. I hope that you are taking things like screaming kitties and making them into a lap full of a love just by buying a baby sling. Going off on a tangent, let's jump into the interview with Alexis. You are going to love it. Enjoy and happy writing, my friends. Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month, I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person, which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. 
you can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month, which is an amount that really truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to. And if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically I'm your mini coach. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show, Alexis Henderson. Hello, Alexis. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am the one who is thrilled because I loved your book. I absolutely loved it. It's called The Year of the Witching. And it was just, it was everything I want from like a dark, would you call it like a grim, dark fantasy? What is the genre you tell people it is? I say dark fantasy slash horror because I can't make up my mind and I think it kind of sits neatly between the two. It really does. It just ticked all of my boxes. I just loved it. Okay, let me give you a little bio for people who don't know you. Alexis Henderson is a speculative fiction writer that fits right there uh, with a penchant for dark fantasy, witchcraft, and cosmic horror. Her debut novel is The Year of the Witching. She grew up in one of America's most haunted cities, Savannah, Georgia, which instilled in her a lifelong love of ghost stories. Currently, Alexis resides at the sun-soaked marshland of Charleston, South Carolina, all places that I've always wanted to go. So this is your debut. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. How has it been having the book out there? It is it is mind-blowing and challenging and interesting and wonderful, and I, I feel like just honored to have been on this journey. I mean, it's been a weird year to debut because of this pandemic. Um, but I think in some ways I'm weirdly grateful because I think that my experience is like so unlike um, the average debut experience. I've met like a lot of um, people, friends and stuff through these virtual events and these amazing opportunities. And it's been great to see the way the community has come together to support other debuts like me during this difficult mm. time. So I'm yeah, so I think it's really glad. Are you with Are you with Penguin? I am Penguin yeah. Random. Um, my imprint is Ace. Okay, I'm with I'm with Dutton over there, and I think that's how we were originally connected because some of their publicists sent me those books, and um, and I was just it was one of those things where I I normally if I get the book ahead of time before I talk to somebody on my podcast, I tend to skim it. Um, but but yours was impossible to skim. I like read the first couple of pages. I'm like, well, there goes my weekend. So. <laughs> It was, it was one of those. It was just beautiful, scary, um, sexy, the whole, this is the whole swamp. Oh, everything, everything, everything. The forest. I loved every part of it. So thank you for being here. And I would love to talk to you about your process for writing because that's what this show is really all about. How, what does your life look like right now? How do you fit the writing in, especially like with pandemic days? What is that? How does that work for you? Uh, so at the moment, I'm, I'm writing like full time, just kind of focusing on this. Um, awesome. I was fortunate in that before I was um, an author, I was like an English teacher. So I taught English as a second language remotely. Mm-hmm. So I've always kind of had that to like fall back on if necessary. And yeah. um, there are certainly times when I did both, but um, it allowed me to control my own schedule. So right now I'm just kind of only writing. Um, and it's been it's been really interesting. So uh, I was homeschooled uh, from 
uh, was it first grade all the way up to my senior year of high school. So I'm very used to kind of setting my own schedule mm. and working and doing school from home. So I think that that piece comes naturally to me. Um, the piece that doesn't is dealing with a global pandemic and trying to focus on writing a book. That's, that's the learning curve for me um, at the moment. So it, it becomes a game of trying to block things out, but let enough into where I don't feel disconnected or um, ill-informed. Um, so it's kind of like where I am with the writing. And at the moment I'm focusing on um, writing the sequel to the year of the witching. So I'm so glad I was really hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, It's been exciting. And I, I was telling someone, I was like, I realized I don't actually know how to, to write a sequel. So it's interesting to kind of teach yourself the ropes. I've never written a sequel before. So it's interesting to sort of, teach myself like this is how you write a sequel as I'm trying to write a sequel it was one of the hardest things I ever did because I sold a standalone was my first book and they asked me for a sequel and but I hadn't mm -hmm. written the book with that in mind and I also didn't really know how to write a book I don't even know how I'd written the first book so so it was that that book too can be challenging yeah how is it fun or it is fun it's fun in, in that like in a way it feels like returning homes and then there's so much world building and like character development that I feel I don't have to do because the foundation is there and so I've never had a writing experience really where I haven't had to build everything from the bottom up yeah and yeah. so to have that freedom to just like kind of take the characters in this journey and not have to worry about establishing them as much is wonderful and I kind of feel I feel a little bit unleashed like I can just do whatever I want and that's great um, but it's also, of course, daunting, you know, trying to follow up my first book and, you know, wanting to fulfill the promises that I made in that book in the second. It's, yeah, I hope I can do it justice. Oh, I am sure. I'm sure that you can. What do your days look like? How much time do you spend on the writing? How much time do you spend on the business? You know, it varies day to day. This year, I've had um, a lot of promo. And I think that is oftentimes because like so many of the events that um, wouldn't be available to me because they required a lot of travel like you know they're all virtual now so there's really like no way to say no that all these amazing events and panels and I want to do them all and I do ah good point yeah so because of that my my schedule I think has been more busy than maybe would have been in in the business um aspect so um yeah I I normally I wake up I am thinking about the writing first and foremost and what I want to accomplish that day but normally um, my approach is to try to get all of my emails out and kind of like um, before I took my social media hiatus, I would try to like, you know, check out my notifications and DMs and all of that. And then I would get to the writing once I felt like that was kind of in its designated box. Um, but now that I'm on a tighter deadline, that's kind of reversed. So it's like writing and a little bit of like answering emails, social media, um, my response times have gotten longer because of that. And then more writing and just kind of trying to fit things in around the writing. Um, because at the end of the day, that is most important. And I feel like um, after I published the book, it, it was just kind of like I had to readjust and remember that like my primary job and my primary focus should be the writing. And so right. kind of shifting from the promo and the business side back to my, what I feel are my roots um, has been good for me, I think. Oh, I love that. And at the end of the day, are we going to be proud of the emails we sent or the books that we wrote? So that's so true. I, I should write that. <laughs> it's something that I'm, I'm constantly thinking of. I'm constantly like, you should, you know, you should be writing that, not doing your email. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Oh God, there's so many. It's so hard <laughs> to choose from. You know, I think that characters are a real challenge. Um, that does not show in your writing. Your, your characters are so full and rich. Thank you Amazing. so much. It's 
hard, hard fought. I feel like a lot of revisions, I think, go into just kind of making them feel that like as fleshed out as possible, or at least as fleshed out as they do in my head, because it's amazing how much you can lose when you're like going from your head to putting it on the page. And so maybe I would say that's also one of my biggest challenges is taking everything up here, which feels so fully formed and making that translate because I often find that there's like this dissonance between the two or a disconnect. And so making sure that what's in my head is present in the book is like a constant um, struggle and it's like trial and error. It's one of those things that, yeah, editors are so good at because they're the ones who point it out to us because we don't know. We think that we have presented our brain onto the page and it's just not there. It's so, so true. Thank God for them because I don't know what I would do if I didn't have someone to like say like, this is not coming together. Please fix this. It's just, it's the best thing ever. (laughs) Editors are the best. Who is your editor? I've been with a couple there. Um, So Jessica Wayne and she's so smart. She's so smart and she has just such a keen editorial eye. But I think that I, I aspire to give edits the way she does because she's just, she's so clear in her direction, but she's also just a genuinely kind person. So I never feel, end up feeling like hurt or attacked by any of her edits. Um, it's amazing. And she explains things so well. Yeah, she's great. And her ideas and her suggestions are also really, really great. So I feel like I'm in good hands with her. I feel like as, as writers, that's where we learn the most is being edited. Yeah, yeah. for so, sure. Definitely. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? I like that stage it's it's this is a little kind of cheating because it occurs right before I start writing and it's when I get this idea and I become obsessed with it and I'm making Pinterest boards and playlists and I'm dreaming about the characters and I'm writing like plot outlines on um, my napkins at like restaurants like that's my favorite part um I sometimes I feel like I wait sometimes it is years between ideas that grab me like that. And when they do, it's just like a drop everything. It feels like falling in love almost. Like it's so fast. Mm. And I just, that's what I love. And I feel like I'm always chasing that feeling. Um, And it comes and goes. I always love writing, but that specific feeling comes and goes. But I feel like once you felt it once, it's almost like addicting. Like, yes, it's just, yeah. That's the way I'm thinking of it when you're speaking of it. It's that, it's that high that we get when we're on it and we're always trying to get it again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And then the problem is of course, when you're in the middle of the book and you're like, I would rather write a recipe book right now, you know, any, (laughs) anything else. A a math textbook, literally anything. (laughs) That would be a very bad idea for me. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Yeah. The one that made the most difference for me um, was finish what you start. I, I don't remember who, yes. where I first heard it. And yeah, I told and retold to me. And I think it's it's so important to break yourself of that habit that a lot of new writers fall into, which is where you start a project, it gets hard, like you just mentioned, and then you abandon it for the shiny new thing. And it's a vicious cycle that can go on and on and on. It can last So when I started life. forcing my- Yes. And I've seen that, like writers who spend a decade or more just kind of abandoning projects like I I started kind of following people um like writers in this community when I was pretty young um I think I was like around 13 when I first developed my obsession with fairy shark and you know I would see people who just for literally years would kind of like start and restart projects and I was one of them for a long time um but I think that when I was purposeful about the projects that I started and then was purposeful about finishing them um kind of making this like unspoken contract with myself that every book that I started I actually it wasn't even unspoken I told myself if you get 30,000 it was 10 10 or 30,000 words within a book to into 
to a book, you have to finish it. You have to give it an ending because if you don't finish the books that you start, you don't actually know how to write books. You know how to write beginnings. So um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that, that's that's when um, I think my writing process sort of changed a lot, and I grew so much from just learning how to put endings on things. Well, I was. Wait, so 2006, I was 34 before I ended a book and I had a uh, master's in this and I still just didn't know how to finish a book. So the fact that you're doing this earlier than you, how, do you mind if I ask how old you are? No, not at all. I'm 24. Okay. Yeah, I'm still 24. That's 24. <laughs> amazing. Like the, oh, that just, the, the, the fact that you know that finishing is like this magic potion is everything that is so freaking cool. Um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Oh, oh that's a good question. Um, music, in a, mm. I, can't, I can't start writing a book until I have the playlist right. I mean, I, I've spent months trying to get the sound, the sound of the book right before I started because if that doesn't fall into place, I just don't know what the narrator's voice feels like or how oh, much. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so music is a big thing for me, but also um, what kind of tea I'm drinking. Like, I'm hard pressed to be able to get anything done if I don't have like a good cup of tea. And a good cup of tea is like the right cup of tea emotionally for me in that moment. Sometimes that's like a green jasmine, sometimes it's a black tea with a little bit of almond milk, whatever it is. I just need, yeah. Okay, so I, I want to, I, I have so many questions about these kind of things, because these are the process things that I love. So if you're drinking the black tea with almond milk, say, is that going to last for the book? Or is it just on a day to day kind of basis? I think that normally with each book, I have like three teas that are just the teas that I have to drink during that book. So I remember a book I wrote a few years ago, not the year of the witching, but I really got hooked on this um, gunpowder green tea. It had this I like love really a gunpowder. Me too. Mm -hmm. So good. And the book was about, um, well, one of the major themes in the book was fire and smoke and ruin. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that I got fixated on this gunpowder, smoky gunpowder green tea at the time I was writing that. So I do think that, you know, from the music to the tea to sometimes I burn candles or incense, all of it is helping me kind of ground myself in the story. And I think that in books, like I put so much of myself into the story, but sometimes I just want like little details from the story to be present in my life too. And I think that the music and the tea is kind of a way of me like bringing the story into my like physical present. So gorgeous way to say that. And I, I've had the experience of like every once in a while out in the real world world running into one of the songs. It was a major pivotal part of my soundtrack. And I have been known to burst into tears because that was the scene where Robin died. You know, um, I love that. So your, so your playlist, are you, where are you making this in Spotify or Pandora or? music apple music what? apple music yeah, yeah. and how yeah, long is playlist hundreds of songs hundreds of songs i um i will kill hours looking through like the classical music or my actual favorite section to dig through is movie scores yes, um and so yeah. i will go after and i'll just like look at all the new releases i'll look at what's on sale i kind of just sort of like add um to my collection my ever-growing collection of movie soundtracks is it mostly wordless or mostly with a few exceptions um so i think my biggest exception is probably florence and the machine mm. i've listened to for years 
I love her music. She's just so talented and brilliant. But for the most part, I try not to listen to too many songs with words because I have this weird thing where like I hear a word in a song or a phrase and like the words for that phrase will appear in my book. Like I'll, if, if it mentions wind, I'll have wind 17 times on one page. And so I, I'm so susceptible to like, it's like osmosis. The suggestion, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I try to avoid listening to too, like Beyonce too much when I'm like writing because all of lemonade will, will appear like rearranged in my book. So Which, you know it would not be a bad thing at all. So no, no. maybe not in this particular book, right? Um, what is the best book that you've read recently, and why did you love it? Uh, I have here um, the Scape Racers by oh, what Anna a Abigail Clark. Gorgeous cover. Yeah, it's a um, contemporary wife fantasy. Look at the like the it's shine on it is so beautiful. Oh, I can't stop looking at it. And it has um the rest of it kind of has this like nice. It's like almost matte feeling. It's a really really great book. It's a, um I would say like a dark contemporary wife fantasy. It's very witchy, and I would pitch it as the craft with the voice of Gideon the Ninth. It's quite good. It just came out I think two or three days ago. Um. And Hannah is great, and they wrote an amazing book. So that sounds yeah. amazing. I want to, I'm putting that on my TBR pile. Yeah. Now, sure. oh, that's so, so, so you love the witchy stuff, as do I. I've got like four tarot card, tarot decks right here. How, how much does that inform the craft of your writing? You know, I think I'm, I'm just so inspired, I think, by like, the imagery of all these witchy things and like the vibes and the feeling. So structurally, I think I always knew that I wanted to experiment with um, something that was kind of opposed to systems of power that are um, kind of in control in our world. And I felt like a witchy occult things are just kind of like a natural rival to that. And um, it's very much kind of like, I think representative of like the underdog, but people also people who traditionally don't have a lot of of power claiming it for themselves by um like new means through the occult so um yeah i think that's something that will probably stick with me and the stories that i write for i hope years to come because i think there's so many different ways to approach that and i was excited to do it in year of the witching but i'm also kind of up for the challenge of exploring that more um and seeing how else i can like manifest those themes in different stories in different worlds I would like to subscribe to your newsletter immediately so I can stay abreast of all of these things that you are going to come out with. That is amazing. Um, I've just lost my notes here. Oh, well, easily. What would you, you know what? Um, Tell us where we can find you online, but I would also, could you give us like a little bit of an elevator pitch um, to get people into the year of the witching? Yeah. So, um, the Year of the Witching Habit here is a dark fantasy slash horror novel. I know she's so pretty. Um, it's a dark fantasy slash horror novel about a young girl named Emmanuel who um, is a shepherdess and she lives in a very rigid puritanical society that's ruled by a prophet who is um, pretty close to all powerful. And one day Emmanuel enters the forbidden woods that surround her home and there she encounters the spirits of four dead witches and they reveal dark secrets about her own past and the church. So and her mother. It is, yeah. I love and a mother, her mother. I love a mother-daughter story. Also, I'm a big knitter, spinner person. So you got all the fiber details right too. Thank you. I did Good research. I, I only crochet and I'm not great at it, but I did research. I would love to be able to do more. I'm um, very, I'm very critical, especially when it comes to like the wool and you got it. Yeah. You just you nailed it. So 
you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. It's like, I think one of my favorite compliments I've received because no one has picked up on, on the research I did. I'm like, yes, that four hours <laughs> spent researching textiles was well spent. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. So where can we find you online? Where do you prefer to be found? Um, I'm on Twitter at Alex H writes and Instagram is Lexis H. And then I have a website, um, alexishenderson.com. And uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter that I haven't written yet, but you can subscribe to it there. I will release a newsletter eventually. Good. Just as long as you have a place to capture these people. Um, yeah. Can I ask just not on the list of questions, but the, your incredible cover, did they do a photo shoot for you? Or is that like an amazing stock photo they found somewhere? This is a photo shoot. Yeah. So and, oh. um, I think her name is Eve is actually uh, really close to Emmanuel's age. And I think that she's just such a beautiful embodiment of that character. So this oh. is a photo shoot. And then Katie Anderson did some like um, manipulation edits and work. Yeah. Yeah. To make it look like this. So it's um, perfect. I think so too. I love, I love, love, love this cover. So I'm so glad we got a chance to talk, Alexis. I am so looking forward to following your future progress up into the skies because I I just loved your book. I can't I can't make that more clear. So thank, thank you for being on the so show. Fun. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write. You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>